<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book and The Inflammation Spectrum and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, and there's lots of free resources there for you as well, you can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, I'm giving away free signed books of your choice. All you have to do is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the art of being well. And every month, no matter when you listen to this episode, every month my team and I will be going through the Apple podcast reviews and randomly picking winners and reaching out to you personally and asking which book you want for free and we'll send it to you. So you can do it two ways. You can leave your Instagram handle on the Apple podcast review, or you can screenshot your Apple podcast review and message me over on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole and just say you left a review and show me there. Either way, I'll be going through my messages on Instagram as well as on the Apple Podcast Review every month with my team. So good luck. All right, let's get to today's guest. His name is Dr. Stephen Gundry. He is a longtime friend of mine and just happens to be one of the world's top cardiothoracic surgeons and a pioneer in nutrition. He's the founder of Gundry MD, a line of wellness products and supplements, host of the top-rated health show, The Dr. Gundry Podcast, and medical director at the International Heart and Lung Institute Center for Restorative Medicine. He has spent the last two decades studying the microbiome and now helps patients use diet and nutrition as a key form of treatment. He's the author of many New York Times bestselling books, including The Plant Paradox and The Plant Paradox Cookbook and The Longevity Paradox, How to Die Young at a Ripe Old Age, and The Energy Paradox, What to Do When your get up and go has got up and gone, great subtitle. And his latest book, Unlocking the Keto Code, which offers a revolutionary take on the keto diet that debunks common myths and shows readers how to reap the rewards of keto with less restriction. Stay tuned through the entire conversation because at the end, I'll answer another one of your burning health questions and then ask me anything. All right, this is Dr. Stephen Gundry's Art of Being Well. The man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Gundry. I miss your face. It's been too long. I know. We don't see each other in person anymore. Darn it. Remember the olden days where we used to meet in person? <laughs> like yeah. maybe someday, maybe yeah, someday. Maybe someday. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, my friend. So how have you been? Like what's, what's the latest in your life? Well, you know, the launch of the Unlocking the Keto Code went well and basking in the glory. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> been actually in the south of France recently, actually oui, working. Oui working with an algae company in Montpellier, um, France, doing some really cool stuff with the compounds that algae makes. So You are, I mean, people are going to be blown away today. You are one of, and I'm not saying this just because you're here. 
you are one of the smartest people that I know. And uh, the, the idea, like the fact that you're in somewhere in France looking at algae compounds doesn't surprise me at all, because that is like if I had a nickel for every stories like that with Dr. Dr. Gundry. You, you live, you walk the walk for sure. We definitely try to, yeah. And uh, always willing to <laughs> look for the next crazy thing. And <laughs> I, I tell you, algae are fascinating. There are, uh, not to change the story, there are algae yeah. that have been discovered in the Israeli desert that protect themselves from the sun and damage by polyphenol compounds and i hope i'm known as dr polyphenol but what the heck and we're seeing that these compounds one of the reasons i was there is that these compounds can be actually used as a sunscreen without having all the nasty compounds that are in that are in our current sunscreens so very cool. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so cool. I mean, people are going to learn so much. We're going to dig right into this, learn about more about algae. I want to learn more about polyphenols. Can we start with the mitochondria? Because I really want to define it. People have heard of it before, right? But they don't really know exactly what it does and why they should care about their mitochondrial health. And I, I just love that sort of endosymbiotic hypothesis concept like this is a descendant of bacteria so just blow people's minds right now and teach them about the mitochondria yeah so you know most people remember high school biology that mitochondria are the you know energy producing organelles in in almost all of our cells and one of the funny things is we, we all kind of remember that picture of the cell and there's maybe one of these mitochondria that looks like a sausage with a little radiator <laughs> yeah. in it yeah. And in fact, cells, depending on how much energy they need, can actually have thousands of mitochondria in one cell. So rather than that cute little picture, and here's the mitochondria, I mean, there can be thousands of them. In fact, we'll, we'll talk about this. Brown fat is so-called brown fat because it's so packed with mitochondria that it looks brown under the microscope, that packed with these little guys. So... In reference to this symbiotic relationship, we think that about 2 billion years ago, one primordial cell engulfed a bacteria. And rather than get eaten very much like Jonah getting swallowed by the whale, the bacteria says, hey, if you don't eat me, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll take some of the food that you eat and I'll generate ATP much more efficiently for you than you could do yourself. And in exchange, don't eat me. And apparently it was a pretty good deal <laughs> because really the eukaryotic cell, which is based on a mitochondria making ATP, really became the basis of all advanced life form on earth, and including plants. And hopefully we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. So mitochondria are in general, really efficient at making ATP. And ATP is the energy currency, adenosine triphosphate. And how they do this was actually subject of almost oh, 80 years of conjecture. In fact, Otto Warburg, who many people have heard about in ketogenic circles and cancer circles, was a, a German biochemist and physician who, who won the Nobel Prize. But there was fighting on how in the world mitochondria actually accomplished this. And mm -hmm. eventually, Sir Peter Mitchell from England, who also won the Nobel Prize and was knighted, actually found out and discovered how mitochondria produce ATP in the electron transport chain. Mitochondria being engulfed bacteria, I think, and I've written about this in the past, talk to their sisters, the bacteria in our microbiome. And this was mm. first explained to me a number of years ago by Michael Edes, a professor in Paris, who literally at one microbiome meeting, we, he and I were talking, he says, you know, the microbiome talks to the mitochondria. And I said, what do you mean talks? 
And he said, oh, they're talking all the time. They're, they're sending text messages. Hmm. And I said, well, where are these text messages? Why haven't we deciphered <laughs> you know, the code? And he says, it, it's going to happen. And sure enough, it actually did happen. And I've written about this before. They're called postbiotics. And this is a communication system between the gut microbiome and other of our microbiomes and mitochondria. And they literally can tell mitochondria what conditions are like, what mm-hmm. to do. So there's a really, it's a really fascinating story because it gets even better. We inherit our mitochondria who have their own DNA separate from the nucleus in a cell. And that means they can divide without the cell dividing and make more of them. And we inherit them from our mother. Uh, Dads have no contribution to this. We're basically drones, as we know. Figures. 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 And the the initial microbiome in us is also inherited from our mother who basically takes a crap on us as we head out, you know, the birth canal. (laughs) And so she, she seeds us with her microbiome and her DNA for the mitochondria is in us. So there literally is this incredible female link to, to everything here. Beautiful. Have you heard of public goods? I love public goods. Public goods is the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials that we all need, but it's made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from personal care and household products to coffee, toilet paper, shampoo, pet foods, and so much more. Public goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. Rather than buying a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all of the premium essentials in one place with one beautiful, streamlined aesthetic. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products. We use their cleaning products at the Functional Medicine Telehealth Center here. I use them at my home. We use the shampoo at home. We use their hand soap at home. I mean, I, it, is, it is a go-to, both professionally and personally. And why? Because knowing what's in your products and where they come from is really important. And what I love about public goods is that they ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives that are honestly still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They are committed to making their products healthy and safe for us, animals, and the environment. We've worked out an awesome deal for the Art of Being Well listeners. Receive 20% off your first public goods order I recommend trying their cleaning products, their shampoo, their hand soap, so many good things. Just go to publicgoods.com slash Will Cole or use code Will Cole at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash Will Cole to receive 20% off your first order. You all know when I post on social media, specifically TikTok and Instagram, I post anything about research coming out of the scientific literature talking about alcohol and how it's a neurotoxin and it's really not healthy for you. Um, And I want to really empower people with alcohol-free alternatives. And one that I love is Botanic Tonics. Botanic Tonics is a plant-based tonic drink that delivers all the feels without the hangover, (laughs) without the neurotoxins that alcohol will bring. It is love at first sip. Botanic Tonics delivers an euphoric blend of plant-based ingredients that is a healthy productivity enhancer and alcohol alternative featuring kava and other ancient plants from the South Pacific. You can enjoy Feel Free for productivity enhancement and focus. It is also a non-alcoholic drink substitute to help with occasional stress if you're hanging out with your friends. I mean, really can have it any time. My team and I have some at work because you're not going to get buzzed. You're not going to get drunk. You just feel chill, chill, focused, lower stress. It's a great thing. So we're a fun time waiting to happen here at the Functional Medicine Telehealth Center. It uses kava, which has so much exciting science around it to support focus, lower stress levels, support the parasympathetic, the resting mechanism, the chill mechanism of the body. So this is a clean plant-based formula. Exclusively for the art of being well, 
Feel Free Botanic Tonics is offering a 40% off discount on your first purchase. I mean, you have to try this stuff now. Just use promo code WillCole at checkout. Head on over to BotanicTonics.com for that 40% off using code WillCole. BotanicTonics.com, code WillCole for 40% off. Let me know what you think. Hello, everyone. I'm Rod, the Internet's coworker, and I'm very excited for you to listen to my podcast, Millennial Made. Listen to me and my guests on your commute to work before you have to interact with your 23-year-old coworker or 16-year-old nephew as I translate the millennial experience, discuss internet culture, recap current events, and throw us back to our MySpace era with some nostalgia. Catch me right here on Dear Media or also on YouTube to watch as well. All right, let's pointedly say, and then we'll get into, I have so many questions about the mitochondria, but everyday people that are listening to this, if mitochondria health isn't on point, what is that doing to them? What is it associated with as far as people's health? The average person generates 140 pounds of ATP per day. That's at rest. And people go, well, wait a minute, I don't, I don't even weigh 140 pounds. And I certainly didn't eat 140 pounds of food today. Well, maybe you could try, but <laughs> you know, where did that go? Well, the answer is we actually spend 140 pounds of energy every day. Wow. I mean, and that's just, it's a mind boggling yes, amount. It's mind boggling. I mean, yeah, it really is. And so mitochondria have this incredible job of generating ATP. And the problem is that this generation of ATP is incredibly hard work and is very damaging to the mitochondrial apparatus, the energy generating apparatus. And and people have heard about this. They've heard of free radicals. They've heard of oxidative stress. They've heard of reactive oxygen species. And this is all a part of the, the damaging things that go on in the process of making ATP. Mm-hmm. Now, as I talked about in the last two books, including this one, we, we do have repair systems for mitochondrial protection. One of the things that I think most people aren't aware of. We've all heard about antioxidants. and Oh, antioxidants are so important. Antioxidants, there's only two antioxidants that actually work inside mitochondria. One of them, some people have heard about glutathione. The -hmm. other one surprises almost everybody, and it's melatonin, the so-called sleep hormone. Mm-hmm. And as I talk about in the book, I mean, we can talk about it, we should really dissociate the idea that melatonin is a sleep hormone and we should start thinking about melatonin as really one of the fundamental hormones or compounds that mitochondria depend on for repair and function and mm. really takes us into interesting sleep deprivation studies, shift right. worker studies, even cancer studies. So, yeah, but mitochondria have to be repaired. One of the things that I was surprised is that there's a second system in mitochondria to prevent mitochondrial damage. And it's got a name that I spent six months trying to rename because it's, it's really, it's a, it's a tough one to explain, but it's called mitochondrial uncoupling. That was my next question. I'm glad. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. Perfect. Yeah. So making, making energy is hard work. And simplistically, what we want to do, again, from high school biology, is we want to take protons and electrons and oxygen. And we inside the mitochondria, we want to get all these guys really, really excited. We want to just get them to a fever pitch. And then we want to kind of bang the proton and oxygen together. And in that process of coupling them together, they then pass through a turnstile on the mitochondria and generate ATP. And that's how it should work. This coupling process can be very damaging. So wouldn't you know it, mitochondria have a way 
to allow some of these protons, which would normally be coupling with oxygen, to escape the mitochondria without making ATP through emergency exits within the mitochondria. And so the protons are uncoupled from the making of ATP. Now, that might sound stupid. Why, if we need lots of ATP, would we have a system where you could not make ATP, you could uncouple some of these protons? But when you start looking at how this happens, 30% of all the energy, all the food that we eat that enters into the mitochondria is uncoupled from making ATP, 30% at rest. Mm -hmm. And this is actually what confounded biochemists who were working out the equations of how much ATP do you get from a molecule of glucose or a molecule of amino acid protein. And they always came up with different answers. And chemists love, you know, wait a minute, it's got to be got to be 32 molecules of ATP or you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it was these trap doors, these emergency exits that were allowing protons from escaping. Mm. What happens when we do that? Well, we generate heat and we're a warm-blooded animal. And it turns out cold-blooded animals are kind of warm-blooded anyhow. But so all of us uncouple mitochondria to generate heat. And getting back to brown fat as a great segue, brown fat, most of us have been taught, is thermogenic fat. And it generates lots of heat because it's loaded with mitochondria and it just makes heat generation. So that's one of the good reasons that we waste 30% of the things we produce in heat. So we want to be uncoupling our mitochondria. And one of the ways that we do that, and you show it very eloquently in the book, is ketosis. But you really are, you're shedding such a, an innovative, fresh light on the ketogenic diet, going keto, all that stuff, and showing the science in a practical way. What do people, what are people getting wrong with the conventional ketogenic diet? And then maybe a segue into how does ketosis help with mitochondrial uncoupling? So uh, most of us who have advocated ketogenic diets, and I've had a version in all my books, say, wow, you know, ketosis is going to make you an efficient fat burner, a super efficient fat burner, and that's why you lose weight. Now, talk about dumb. The definition of, of efficiency is getting more out of something. So for instance, with this gas crisis, we would like a fuel-efficient car, and we want a Toyota Prius. We would certainly not want a fuel-inefficient car like a Ferrari. Now, we might want it for another reason, but <laughs> the Ferrari is a definition of fuel-inefficient. So we want to save gasoline, not waste. Now, if, in fact, ketosis was turning us into efficient fat burners, and fat has nine calories per gram, and protein and carbs have four calories per gram, then if we're eating lots of fat and we're an efficient fat burner, we all ought to be gaining weight right and left. And luckily, most of the time, the opposite happens. So we lose weight. So how the heck does that happen? Well, when I started looking at the human literature, primarily out of Harvard and the NIH, what's fascinating is that ketones are not some super fuel. In fact, they're kind of a lousy fuel. But what they are, are there are signaling molecules mm. that actually tell mitochondria to, strange as it seems, waste fuel to become a Ferrari. Mm. And it's the wasting of this fuel of uncoupling more and more of this process of making ATP mm -hmm. that actually makes you lose weight. The way I like to explain it is two things happen. Ketones tell mitochondria that you're basically starving to death. 
And as strange as it may seem, this was proven by a researcher, a PhD by the name of Martin Brand in 2000, who wrote a very simple paper, I think everybody should read it, called Uncoupling to Survive. And what, what he proposed, and he certainly he's proved it since, is that if it's the end of the line and you're starving, then mitochondria have to survive because if mitochondria die, that's the end of things. Mm -hmm. Who cares about muscles? Who cares about anything else? The mitochondria have to survive. And so they have to protect themselves at all costs. So let's use an example of a dog sled. If we've got a dog sled with one dog, the dog will tire out pretty quickly. You won't go very far and you won't go very fast. Now, if we add five more dogs and have a six dog sled, you're going to go a lot farther. You're going to go a lot faster because each dog only has to do a sixth of the work. Now, the downside of that is you got to feed six dogs instead of one. So what happens elegantly to explain the weight loss that occurs in a ketogenic diet is you're telling each dog, each mitochondria, don't work so hard, protect yourself, but make a bunch more of yourselves, mitogenesis, to carry the workload. And in exchange, you're going to burn more calories, but each mitochondria is going to be more protected. And that's where the weight loss should come from in ketone signaling. Got it. People age at so many different speeds, right? The date on your license may not represent your inner biological age at all. If you're looking for ways to extend your health span and slow down the aging process, the keys to your health, longevity, health span, they run in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to improve your metabolism, reduce your stress, improve your sleep, and optimize your health and how you feel for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, your DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you are not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise for your body, right nutrition and foods to focus on for your body, and supplementation for your body. It's bioindividuality at its best. As a functional medicine doctor, I'm loving this. What I also love, you have to add this, it's what they call Inner Age 2.0. Add Inner Age 2.0 to any plan for a definitive calculation of your true biological age. You're gonna be shocked with the results because you can see how you're aging from the inside out and then you can see your score improve over time as you retest. For a limited time, get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well. That's insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well. Or you can use code Will Cole at checkout for 20% off at insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well. Our next partner has a product I have loved for years. Honestly, I love it personally. My patients love it. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, all the things to help you start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, your focus throughout the day, and longevity and healthy aging, all the things. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It is recommended by professional athletes, trusted by leading health experts around the world. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's all you have to do. To make it super easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. Man, vitamin D deficiency, I see it low in labs every day, sadly, with new patients. And they're gonna give you a whole year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and also five free travel packs of Athletic Greens with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Will Cole. 
Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash worldcole to take ownership over your health, how you feel, and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Something that you mentioned in the book and obviously sticking with this concept that beta-hydroxybutyrate, the ketone, is a signaling molecule. It's working in all the genetic pathways. One of the implications of signaling molecule is it working on sirtuins. Uh, what are sirtuins for people that are newer to this? And then uh, why do we want to be looking at sirtuins? Well, so again, sirtuins are one of the signaling molecules that actually tell mitochondria to protect themselves as well. And so there's there's lots of ways, I guess, to skin a cat. David Sinclair would say, hey, I, I want to skin the cat by activating sirtuins. Maybe I would say, yeah, I'm all for activating sirtuins, but I also want to activate uncoupling via beta-hydroxybutyrate, for example. And there are other ways, and that's kind of unlocking the keto code. There are plenty of ways to activate this uh, uncoupling phenomenon. And that's actually what's yeah. kind of exciting about all this. Yeah, very much so. I, I think more and more we're all beginning to realize that mitochondrial dysfunction is underlying most of what we now recognize as chronic disease processes, whether it's, whether it's diabetes, whether it's dementia, whether it's cancer. And I talk about that in the book as well. And so this idea that damaged mitochondria may underlie all this process, I think brings mm -hmm. back that, wow, we've, we really need to know these guys and we need to know mm -hmm. the ways that these guys repair themselves, protect themselves, and what are the various modalities we have of activating this protective mm -hmm. mechanism. And another connection you make within the book is then between postbiotics, which you mentioned earlier, and sirtuins, which I thought was very interesting as well. Can you explain that connection between the two? Postbiotics are part of this communication system between bacteria and their sisters, the, the mitochondria. And with each kind of passing year, we're, we're, we're breaking the Enigma code of World War II, the German code, and learning that there is this intricate connection between information signals coming from the gut in terms of short-chain fatty acids, which are postbiotics. Most people now have heard of butyrate. Almost everyone knows acetic acid, which is vinegar, which is actually a very important postbiotic signaling molecule. Fun fact, it's actually why apple cider vinegar has some very cool properties. Butyrate can in and of itself, uncouple mitochondria. It can actually be the substrate for beta-hydroxybutyrate. And so these alone, these short-chain fatty acids, are, are miraculous signaling molecules. But there's a host of other ones, hydrogen sulfide, hydrogen gas. Believe it or not, methane is a signaling molecule. Now, it's not just cow farts. And carbon dioxide is also a signaling molecule. So we're just beginning to realize, I think we're denting the surface of, of how much this communication has to do with mitochondrial function and repair. Yeah. And you connect all the dots within the book. So these are things that people just need to get the book for all the practical stuff of how to really be supporting these pathways. One thing that I love about you and what I've learned about you, and you talk about it in the book too, is one very interesting way to support mitochondrial uncoupling, and I'd love to talk about the science behind it, is goat cheese. What's the deal with goat cheese, Dr. Gundry? Interestingly enough, most people now have heard of MCT oil, medium-chain triglycerides. And medium-chain triglycerides are a very unique fat that are absorbed through our gut in a totally different process than all other fats. They can be absorbed directly through the wall of our gut rather than having transport molecules called chylomicrons. And they can directly enter the blood supply to the liver called the portal vein. And they go to the portal vein, they go to the liver, and they're basically instantaneously made into ketones. Now, 
What's exciting about that is that, as you and I know, the vast majority of Americans are unable to get into ketosis for a considerable period of time because we're unable to liberate free fatty acids out of our fat cells because insulin levels literally block the release of fat from our fat cell. And you got to have free fatty acids flowing to the liver to produce ketones. There's no other way to do it except MCT oil. So MCTs are named for the Latin word for goat, capra. Mm. So there's capric acid, caprylic acid. How in the world would that be applied to MCT? Well, it turns out that 30% of the fats in goat and sheep milk are medium chain triglycerides. Very cool. So, yeah, and it's really cool. So what's fascinating is some of the longest lived people in the world are actually goat and sheep herders. (laughs) And they eat a lot of goat and sheep cheese. And so... What's cool is you could have some MCT oil or you could have some goat yogurt or sheep yogurt or goat cheese or sheep cheese and uncouple your mitochondria by producing ketones from that cheese. In fact, you could have a nice piece of goat cheese and have a fresh fruit salad and still generate ketones, which would uncouple your mitochondria, and I can assure everyone that a fresh fruit salad will not uncouple your mitochondria. In fact, just the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. This is so good. So we went from, we're going to go from goat and sheep herders. Now I want to go to the island of Catawba in Papua New Guinea. That's part of that. You talk about it in this book, this island nation and the conversation of fiber. What's going on in Catawba? If you if you really ever wanted to read one of the more important treatises I think ever written, it's by Stefan Lindeberg called Food and Western Disease. And you can actually see I, I've got so many earmarks on <laughs> so it. So many earmarks, yeah. He spent his life studying the Catavans. And he was fascinated with them because they really defied logic. And years ago, when I was kind of a real low carber. I had the pleasure of sitting down with a, with a company who will go unnamed and explaining my ideas. And one of the researchers says, yeah, but what about the Catavans? And I go, no, the Catavans, low-carb people hate Catavans <laughs> because their their diet is is about is tons of roots and potatoes tubers, and yeah. tubers. It's yeah. very high, 60% fiber diet. And they smoke like fiends. <laughs> They eat a lot of coconut and they have, Stefan Lundberg could never find a case of coronary artery disease. There was no cancer ever discovered in these guys. And, and yet they, they defied all, and they're skinny. And people in the low carb community used to say, oh, they don't eat very much. That's it. And he said, actually, they eat a ton of calories. Sorry. They eat actually more than the normal Western diet. Mm. And they just kept all this logic. Well, one of the things I think we all have to realize is a calorie is not a calorie is not a calorie. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the second law of thermodynamics <laughs> does not apply to our system because it does not account for gut bacteria. And gut bacteria, if you have the right ones, can eat a lot of these calories, keep it for themselves and make more little baby gut bacteria and make more postbiotics. And as you and I know, there are a set of gut bacteria that are extremely good at processing the calories we eat and giving it to us, increasing the amount of fats and simple carbs sent to us. So the the point of the Catavans is that they harness all these fibers for their health benefit by making all these postbiotics. And the other thing which is fascinating about them that I get into is nicotine is actually Mm. an amazing mitochondrial uncoupler. And when when we think about all the skinny French people and really all the skinny Americans of the 20s, 30s, 40s, and even 50s, 
when up to 70% of Americans smoke. We forget the power that nicotine brings as a mitochondrial mm-hmm. coupler. Now, I am the first to say, folks, do not smoke. And even though our good friend Dave Asprey is a big fan mm-hmm. of nicotine, we forget that nicotine is one of the most potent addictive substances mm-hmm. ever known. Tobacco companies. They know that well. <laughs> they, they know that well. So, but the, the really interesting thing is that there are fascinating studies of smokers. The British physician study that I allude to in the book have much lower rates of Parkinson's and dementia Mm -hmm. than non-smokers. And you go, what? Are you crazy? You know, this stuff kills you. And the Catavans are a perfect example of that. So the Catavans are really a a unique way of seeing uncoupling in Mm -hmm. action through the foods they're eating and their smoking habits. Again, please, folks, don't go smoke. But it is fascinating to see how all this ties into the uncoupling potential of of postbiotics and the the foods you eat. Apple cider vinegar is quite the topic. I get asked this question all the time on social media. Patients want to know about it. We get asked a lot about my thoughts on apple cider vinegar, if they should have it, and if so, in what way. There's a lot of exciting science around it. Clinically, I can tell you it's a great way to support so many different things in the body. The problem is you want to make sure you're getting it in the right way. It can be a game changer for your digestion health, your gut health, your blood sugar regulation, if you're dealing with cravings, but it's very strong. So you don't want to have it straight up. The way that I recommend getting your apple cider vinegar is Paleo Valley's apple cider vinegar complex. My patients will tell you, this is my recommendation. You can get all the healing properties of apple cider vinegar into your daily diet without the fuss or the burn Because again, ACV has been shown to support with digestion, breaking down proteins. Think of it as almost a whole food enzyme, a whole food digestive enzyme. It improves blood sugar balance, supporting with satiety and cravings and hanginess. And what I love about this complex from Paleo Valley is that they combine the apple cider vinegar with other healing spices like turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, and lemon for added benefits for digestion and blood sugar regulation. Most people have something called hypochlorhydria or some level of lower HCL production, even if it's just slight, and they're struggling with digestive problems, things like IBS, bloating, indigestion, just so many gut problems. And to support proper gut pH, this is a great tool for that. So all you have to do is head on over to paleovalley.com slash drwill for 15% off your first order. That's paleovalley.com slash D-R-W-I-L-L, Dr. Will, all one word, for 15% off your first order. paleovalley.com slash Dr. Will. And another way to support a mitochondria that you talk about in the book is specific types of polyphenols, and you highlight different ones, fascinating ones within the book. And I love the story of the hummingbirds and dipping their beaks in these polyphenols like retinoic acid. Can you talk about that yeah. and the longevity of see, using hummingbirds as a uh, sort of uh, avatar to longevity? Yeah, so there's a very popular theory of aging called the cost of living hypothesis. And, and it's, it's not a bad hypothesis. And that is uh, small animals in general run a very high metabolic rate. And they're... they're usually small, and they have a short lifespan. On the other hand, very large animals, like humans, uh, run a much slower metabolic rate, and they have a correspondingly long lifespan. In fact, my mentor at the NIH, Dr. Morrow, had this theory that you only have so many heartbeats in your (laughs) life, and once you use those heartbeats up, that's, that's the end. And As you can imagine, he was against exercise, (laughs) of course. So the problem with this theory is birds. Birds in general are quite small. And yet birds have exceptionally long lifespans. Parrots can live 80 to 100 years. In fact, years ago, I wanted to get a, a cockatoo. And there was a there's a cockatoo breeder nearby here. And I went and talked to the lady, the cockatoo lady, and she said, well, first question is, who's going to take care of this bird after you die? 
And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, this bird is going to outlive you. And I said, oh, don't be ridiculous. She said, no, I'm not going to let you have this bird until you tell me who you've assigned. Is it your child? Blah, blah, blah. Well, that was the end of that. <laughs> my, wife, my wife was very happy, but she was right. So a hummingbird, a hummingbird, its heartbeat is 1,100 beats per minute. And yet a hummingbird in captivity, and it has one of the highest metabolic rates ever recorded. And yet a hummingbird in captivity can live 10 years. I mean, it's a little thing. And so what the heck? Why is that? Well, birds have aggressively uncoupled mitochondria. And what's fascinating is it's the compounds that they eat, a hummingbird, that nectar is full of retinoic acid. And it turns out that retinoic acid, vitamin A, is a really good mitochondrial uncoupler. So ever since I learned this, I used to put some of that colored food coloring in my hummingbird feeders. And then I realized, oh my gosh, yeah, I was giving them sugar, but I actually wasn't promoting their health. So now I just plant plants that have flowers and they're happy and I'm happy. Yeah. So no more diabetic hummingbirds. No, yeah, no more diabetic hummingbirds. I want them uncoupled. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. This is super cool. So Dr. Gundry, as you know, the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. This is your art of being well. This is Dr. Gundry, the man, the myth, the legend, art of being well. I'm going to throw different questions at you, just geeking out about your health tips and tricks. All right. What's the worst tasting healthy food that you still eat because you know the amazing science behind it? Oh, I am not a fan of sauerkraut. And I'll tell you why, in terms of taste. My mother was of, of German origin and we had sauerkraut two or three times per week, I kid you not. And it's one of, and we also had tuna fish sandwiches several times a week. And I I gotta tell you that sauerkraut, even though I eat it and I praise it, and there's all sorts of really great things, I'm just not a fan of the flavor. And I kind of cram it down. Although in, in this book, I really work to make sauerkraut appealing. And there's several really kind of cool sauerkraut recipes where you don't get that sauerkraut taste. Love that. I'm curious about this answer. What's the worst tasting healthy food that you just won't eat no matter how good you know that it is? Is there even a food? I don't even know if there's a food like that for you. No, there really, there really isn't. We like to experiment with food and it's like, let's do this. Uh, I mean, early on, would I would I have a preference for bitter vegetables? No, but I've come to Mm -hmm. seek out more bitter, more better. I wrote in my first book. Interestingly enough, when I was growing up, my my mother ate uh, Hershey's chocolate bits, the things you make full house cookies with, which were very bitter. And my dad and I would go, ah, geez, how can you stand that stuff? And we'd have our Hershey (laughs) milk chocolate bar or something. And she'd have a little cup of these every night with walnuts. And so as I got into this, I said, wow, you know, 72% cacao is still pretty bitter, but let's start there. Well, now I eat 90% and I use Lily's dark chocolate, which has no sugar in it. And it tastes great, but it's an acquired and you got to lean into it and push your taste. Yeah, buds. I love lilies. Lilies is a good, some good chocolate. What are two supplements that have been the biggest game changers for you personally? Oh, wow. All of mine <laughs> from Gundry MD. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you wouldn't release something, honestly, truthfully, unless, I mean, this, you just live and breathe the science and this is stuff you take. So you jest, but it's the truth that you, this is the stuff you love. Yeah. It, people, I think, know that uh, when I embarked on Gundry MD years ago now, I guess, I think it's six years, when we decided to do this, I've been approached by lots of companies to put my name on their supplements and and I wouldn't do it. I said, I've got to have control of because I spent my mm-hmm. life researching what these things do and, you know, documenting it. So I said, I have to control what goes in this. And to this day, I make all my formulas basically based on either my research or what's happened with my parents or my patients and what happens to them when we use them. 
And I'm always, you know, fascinated. Well, we ought to look at this. So I just give you an example. Recently, we we introduced a, a new supplement, and I won't tell you what it is because it's not a commercial, that contains a, a substance called spermidine. And I, you can guess where that was discovered. And <laughs> I've been taking spermidine for a number of years. And I write about spermidine as a polyamine. And the polyamines are present in fermented foods, particularly in fermented cheeses, mm-hmm. aged cheeses. And polyamines are, are really cool mitochondrial and couplers and and spermidine for one is actually a really good Mm -hmm. senescent cell zombie cell killer if you will and i had this formula ready to go at gundry nd and i kept talking to our guys and saying we really need to do this and they said yeah that's fine but the fda will not give grass to spermidine generally recognized as safe and we can't take the chance that you're going to come out with a supplement that the FDA does not recognize as safe. Yeah, good thinking. So just this this winter, the FDA announced that spermidine was grass. And boom, my supplement was ready to go and we released it. And but it's it's that sort of basis that, well, I didn't have this in my armamentarium. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've been taking and giving to my patients for a number of years. And this is something that I want to do. So that's how I approach all Love of that. I, t- I take spermidine too. It's really, there's some really cool science around it. Yeah, there really is. Next question is, I, I'm really excited to hear about this because I know, I, I kind of know, but I... I I, I eat very clean, but I also love peanut butter. Number one, do you like me any less because of that? <laughs> Number two, what are your thoughts on peanut butter? Because a life without peanut butter, in my opinion, is just bleak. I respect your desire <laughs> to kill yourself. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I embrace that. Um, so, I mean, peanuts, number one, are not a nut, as you know. They're yes, a legume. Most of us carry a preformed antibody to the peanut lectin. And there's just so many better options than 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 peanuts. I mean, okay. have some have some almond butter, have almond some butter. macadamia nut butter. Okay. Ooh. I you know what I wanna love them as much as peanut butter. I just don't. And I is there a form of peanut butter that you think is doing less damage? Like I'm thinking Valencia peanuts, maybe lower mold. It doesn't impact the lectins probably, but. Yeah, it really doesn't impact the lectins. Now, interestingly enough, um, you know, peanuts are an interesting source of resveratrol, by the way. They're also an interesting. I'll take that. Yeah, and I'll they're also that. interesting source. Uh, they actually have some. Uh, odd chain fatty acids, carbon 15, which I do write about in the book, but there's so much better ways to yeah, get. Yeah, I know. Uh, I realize it's my vice. I know. It's my it, vice. It, it's okay. <laughs> All right, my friend. Last question, kind of a deep question, but I'm curious to know your answer on this. You probably never got, never got asked this on a podcast before, but do you believe in life after death? If there is, I am coming back as one of my dogs. Um, that's all I'll say on the subject. I love it, my friend. <laughs> You're amazing. I appreciate you immensely. Hopefully we'll do IRL in real life soon enough, but come back anytime. Where can people get the book? Where can people, and we'll put the links for all the supplements you talked about, even though you didn't mention my name. I'll, I'll get the links and I'll put them in the show notes for people. But um, yeah, where can people go to learn more? Well, you can find them wherever books are sold, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Please support your local bookseller. They've just been decimated during COVID and they're just crawling their way back, the ones that have survived. So they'll have the book. Uh, you know, we, we've had multiple bestsellers, including this one. So it, it'll be there. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Just support them. You can find me on the Dr. Gundry podcast. Uh, We've had the pleasure of having you multiple times, et cetera, et cetera. And you can go to drgundry.com. You can go to gundrymd.com, my supplement and food company. You can go to my Instagram, Facebook, YouTube channels, blah, blah, blah. Love it. Love it. All right, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thanks for having me, Will. And yeah, one of these days we're going to see each other in person again. Yes. 
At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Today's Ask Me Anything is from Matt. Matt asks, I know you advocate for people to cut back on processed sugar. What are your thoughts on sugar-free sweeteners? Are they a better alternative since they won't impact blood sugar and insulin and have no carbs? Thanks for the question, Matt. All right, here are my thoughts on low-carb or sugar-free sweeteners or, or sweet sugar alternatives, I guess is what they're called too. So when you're looking at things like um, Splenda or Equal or Sweet and Low, do people still use that? I'm sure. <laughs> aspartame, basically. Look for aspartame, saccharin, sucralose. Those are the active ingredients and then different brands use them. But mainly what I'm talking about here, saccharin, sucralose, aspartame. Those are the main ones, right? <laughs> there are several studies out there in the scientific literature looking at these Non-nutritive sweeteners is another word for them within the research community. One that I knew of years ago, not that long ago, but 2014, way back in 2014. But I have to say, in the science world, that's a long time. <laughs> that's an old study in some realms. But 2014, there was a study out of the Weizmann Institute, I think in Israel. What they found was pretty astounding. They found that these sugar-free sweeteners affected the gut microbiome of mice in ways that could impact their blood sugar response, meaning that just because these sweeteners don't have sugar, just because they don't have any carbs and they're sugar-free, quote-unquote, they were found to still impact blood sugar negatively. The team was interested in whether these results would also be found in humans. So the original study back in 2014, was done on mice. And everybody within the functional medicine space way back in 2014, we're talking about that study. And now recently in cell press, they, uh, the same researchers also were looking at this in humans. The research team carefully screened over 1,300 individuals for those who strictly avoid non-nutritive sweeteners or these sugar-free sweeteners in their day-to-day -day lives and identified a cohort of 120 individuals. These participants were broken into six groups, two control and four who ingested well below the FDA allowances of either aspartame, saccharin. They also looked at stevia or sucralose. So this is interesting. They also were looking at stevia or stevia, which is a plant-based, it's originally from the stevia plant. It's, it's different than the other ones. So I find this interesting. They found that subjects consuming the non-nutritive sweeteners, they could identify very distinct changes in the composition and function of gut microbes and the molecules they secrete into peripheral blood. This seemed to suggest that gut microbes in the human body are rather responsive to each of these sweeteners. Pretty astounding. When we looked at consumers of non-nutritive sweeteners as groups, they found that two of the non-nutritive sweeteners, saccharin and sucralose, significantly impacted glucose tolerance in healthy adults. Interestingly, changes in the microbes, the gut bugs, the gut microbiome were highly correlated with the alterations noted in people's glycemic responses, i.e. the more changes in the gut microbiome, the more blood sugar changes were found in these people. To establish causation, the researchers transferred microbial samples, kind of gross guys, it's a poop transplant, from the study subjects to germ-free mice, mice that have been raised in completely sterile conditions and have no microbiome of their own, which is like a whole other thought in my mind. I'm thinking about the poor mice with, a, with no microbiome. That's pretty crazy. Science is weird sometimes, people. The results were astounding. In all of the non-nutritive sweetener groups, but in none of the controls, when they transferred into these sterile mice, the microbiome of the top responding individuals collected at a time point in which they were consuming the respective non-nutritive sweeteners, the sugar-free sweeteners, the recipient mice developed, get this, glycemic alterations that are very significantly mirroring those of the donor individuals. In contrast, 
the bottom responders' microbiomes were mostly unable to elicit such glycemic responses. These results suggest that the microbiome changes in response to human consumption of non-nutritive sweeteners may at times induce blood sugar changes in consumers in a highly personalized manner. <laughs> this is freaking crazy. So basically you have these mice without a microbiome that when they got the poop transplant of the person, the blood sugar changes of the mice with no microbiome completely mirror the human that had this response. Pretty astounding, pretty freaking astounding. We all have different, diverse, unique microbiomes. The researchers went on to say, everybody's different. Everybody's going to have a different response to these sugar-free sweeteners, but it's something to consider. And just because they have no carbs, just because they have no sugar and they're quote unquote sugar-free, doesn't mean they're good for your blood sugar. So I think they should be used sparingly. I tend to like the more natural kinds like stevia or stevia in small amounts. I like things like xylitol in small amounts, monk fruit in small amounts, allulose in small amounts. None of these should be used flippantly because I don't necessarily think they're they're superfoods. They're not superfoods, but they're, they definitely have their place, especially the more natural kinds. Those are my thoughts. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.